What is church? Is it a building? With some pews? A piano? And stained glass? Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom that would change the world forever. In 369 AD, the church built the first hospital as a place to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Today, the church is the largest single provider of health care in history. The church was the first to stand up for the rights of children, creating the first and largest orphanage system in the world. 100 out of the first 110 universities in America were founded as Christian institutions. Places like Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, and Princeton. Much of the world's greatest art, architecture, literature, and music has been shaped by the church. But the impact of the church isn't just ancient history. Today, the church is stronger than ever and continues to impact every corner of the world. Over 300,000 churches in America and almost 5 million churches around the world stand ready to be instruments of change, to do what governments could never do. Every day, the church brings food and fresh water to millions of people across the world. It has a renewed passion to help widows and orphans and fights to free slaves in every part of the world. It stands ready as a first responder on the scene to provide relief for victims of disaster. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus to help a world that needs him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. If you have your Bibles, open to the book of Ephesians. Welcome to church. Kind of opens your eyes to what you... You didn't just come to a building, did you? You didn't come to a building in little Ojai, California. You came to be an active participant in the big church. Did, did, you, did you think about that? In your commitment, in your choice to be here, you're part of a church universal gathering around the globe. You came, you're participating right now in something much bigger than our little gathering here. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that, isn't that crazy to think about that? That, that, that? It's just, it's just, ah, oh, yes, okay. You know, because there's a part of us, there's a part of us, honestly, don't you want your life to matter? We're, we want, some of us, you know, we, we strive for significance, for meaning, for purpose, you know, Lord, am I just taking up earth and air on this my time here? Or, or does my life matter? Does my life matter? And, and, and I showed you that video and we're in this series on the church because being a part of the church matters. It matters for eternity. And then it matters on this planet, all the wonderful things that the church has done. You know, some of you probably sat back and said, I had no idea the church was involved in that. All those Ivy League schools, really? Yeah. Used to be, right? Kind of things have shifted, but initially, right? And so this, this, this church, this church, this thing called the church, and, and your notes there, you know, we saw reasons to love the church. You can't separate loving God from loving the church. First John says, hey, if you love me, if God says, if you love me, you're going to love my children, right? So this idea that's kind of common in the church world today that I love Jesus but not the church, it's not biblical. It's not biblical. Now, the church can be tough to love, 
because the church is made up of sinful, fallible, imperfect human beings who are not always nice, who didn't always have a good day, who didn't, you know. And, and as you get to know one another in the church, truly build relationships, and you start to see sort of the stuff that we're really good at hiding come out, you're like, oh, man, the church is really, truly made up of people in process. It's who we are. And so that can make it tough to love at times. But here's the thing. We're called to love not in our own flesh, but in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. We're called to love with agape love, self-sacrificial love that only comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. I may like you, and that can be a human thing. I like hanging out with you, Scott. We enjoy company. We joke and all that. That's great. That's phileo, that friendship love. But God says, don't stop at friendship love. Go to self-sacrificial love. Oh, and he says, that's right, because it's only going to come from me and the power of the Holy Spirit that we're going to do that, right? So we can't separate loving God. It says that the church is the bride of Christ. We looked at Jesus as the bridegroom. He calls his church the bride, right? So he passionately loves his church. In Ephesians 5, it says that he, he nourishes, he cherishes the church, and he's sanctifying the church to present it to himself in Revelation, right? Jesus loves the church. So here's the thing. If you love Jesus, I, you know, one of the things of sanctification, if you love Jesus, you're going to start loving the things he loves. Truly, right? You, you should start to love the things that Jesus loves if you're a follower of Jesus. So he loves his church with all of its shortcomings. If there's one person in history who could have kicked the church to the curb, who would it be? Jesus, right? The one person who, who's perfect and could say, oh, my gosh, again? Right, right? Ernie, come on, Ernie, again? I thought we dealt with this years ago, Ernie, right? You know, if there's one person who could, who could just say, oh, the church, driving me crazy. But he loves the church. It's his bride. And he's nourishing, cherishing, sanctifying his bride. Right? And we looked at that. And then we saw that last week the church belongs to Jesus. It's being built by him. Right? He's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. It's being built by him. Right? It says that we are living stones. Uh, living stones. Right? We were once dead. We were once kind of like a dead rock doing our own thing. We come and we met Jesus. We put our faith in him. We have new life. We're new creations, a new birth. And now we're called living stones. And he's chipping us away, and he's building, he's building his house, and he says, hmm, Sally, where am I going to put Sally? Right? And then, and, 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 hmm, Betty. Oh, Betty got something need to be knocked off. You know? Betty and Daryl. And, and, and he's fitting us in each as living stones into something he's building. Right? That, that, that's his choice. We're, we're integral parts of what he's building. You know, I shared with you, uh, one of my daughter's friends had a house, and, and they took us there while it was being built, and there was this big pile of rocks. And this guy was just sitting there every day, and he was just chiseling rocks because they were putting rock up on the house. And this one, this, his sole job, he was a, a craftsman, was to chip the rock. And then he had this complete pile and the, the other guys, their job was to fit it, to make beautiful things. 
And that's what God's doing. He's using who? Do this. And do this. Me? You? We're the living stones that He's using to build His church. Right? So we, we, we focused on that. Today, we're going to focus on uh, the church is the body of Christ. Now, again, this is one of those churchy phrases, body of Christ, body of Christ, body of Christ. Many of you have heard it, so I'm going to ask you to choose not to check out. Not to mentally check out and think about what you need to do the rest of the day. Right? Because we're called to be the body of Christ. Now, the body, turn to Ephesians. We're in Ephesians. Look at 1. Ephesians 1, 22. Ephesians 1.22. And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Colossians 1.18, you don't have to turn there, says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Right? So the church... The ecclesia is a called-out assembly. Us, we're the body, and who's the head? Jesus is the head. So what that initially, okay, don't gloss over this. There's a relationship between the head and the body, right? There's a relationship, necessary, integral relationship, right? Here's the key. For many of us who have grown up in the church, and over time, based on experiences, based on, you know, good and bad experiences, we tend to develop opinions, attitudes, thoughts, about the church, here's the thing. If Jesus is the head and we're the body and there's this relationship, vertical, covenant relationship, right? It's an issue of authority. It's an issue of authority and under authority comes obedience. Why is it important to start there? Because depending on your upbringing, depending on your experiences in the church, you might sit here today as the authority on the church. And so how you're choosing to act, interact, what you're choosing to do and not do regarding the church, if you're honest, maybe become coming from you as the head and not Jesus as the head, the authority. Why is that important? Because as we understand this series and as we understand God's Word, we always have to be asking, Lord, you own the church Lord, you're building your church. Lord, you're the head, the authority of your church. So as your disciple, I need to interact with your church in the way you want me to, despite my feelings, despite my opinion, despite my attitude. See, in our culture, we're very feelings-driven. We're very opinionated. We're very, well, I think, I think, I think. And that translates into the church. I don't need to go on Sunday. I'm fine. I don't think I need to be plugged in. I don't think, right? I don't think my opinion or we've been hurt. And so our feelings towards the church are so, so strong that our feelings are superseding Jesus. Okay, so right off the bat, Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1 tells us Jesus is the head. He's the authority. So as believers, we've got to sit there and go, okay, Lord, maybe I've been struggling in my relationship with you and with the church because, quite frankly, I've been running the ship in this area. 
So Lord, maybe this morning I'm just going to ask you to, to be the head. I'm just going to resubmit to your authority as the head of this church. You know, I, I was joking with um, some ladies. That we went to visit Doris on, on uh, Thursday. And there were some other ladies there uh, that don't go to this ch- particular church. But they, they visited at times, and we had a good time. And, and they joked. They joked with me, like, what's the name of your church again? You know, and they were trying to figure it out. And then, they were, they, then they, we just had this kind of, we started joking. says, oh, we're just going to call it Richie's Church. I'm like, okay, whatever, that's fine. You know, if that helps you, fine. You know, and, and it, was, it was joking. But it's, it's not ours. And I, I understand what we say when we say that, but, but as a leadership team, you know, this is a big deal for us to, to step up and say, Lord, okay, okay, Lord, we're, we, me, Tyler, and Bill, we're, we're called to, to shepherd your church. There's no bigger calling. I mean, there's no weightier. You know, you, you, you remember that, that bumper sticker, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. Many of you saw that. Well, guess who our boss is? <laughs> this is his church. It's his. It's under his authority. All we're trying to do is keep us on the right track to let him do what only he can do and building it. Our, God, our job is just to listen to him and keep focus and keep the main thing the main thing week in and week out, day in and day out. Amen? Because it's his, right? So we've got to settle right off the bat. He's the authority. We have to submit to, our, to the church and our relationship to the church based on what Christ, through his word, tells us. That that's the starting point, right? Okay. So turn to First Corinthians 12, and we're going to look at the body of Christ. First Corinthians 12. A lot of this is going to be sort of basic, and, and, and quite honestly, it's not really meaty and in depth, because it's more just, Lord, I, I need to just implement the simplicity of this truth. Okay, I just need to, I just need to begin doing this. So First Corinthians 12. We'll start in verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. All right? So if you're a believer, you put your faith in Christ, immediately you are put into the church. Church universal. Okay? Made up of all redeemed, born-again believers. That's the church universal. Okay? That's what he's saying there. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every, every, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. What, what, what's the, the, the nugget in there? Everybody in here 
matters. Right? If we were all pastors, where would you be? (laughs) If we were all singing, we'd be singing empty pews. Right? There's a diversity of gifts. There's a diversity of gifts in the body. And then down to the local body. There's a diversity of gifts. Right? And and we have to ask ourselves, okay, Lord, what gift have you given me? Right? What part do I play in this body? In this body. Right? Keith, we're gonna, you're going to stay on 1 Corinthians 12 because we're going to, um, we're going to be jumping back and forth. Turn to, keep a finger there and turn to Ephesians. We're just going to look at Scripture, and I'm just going to let Scripture speak, speak to us today. Okay? So keep a finger on 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to come back. Ephesians 4. Okay, so there's diversity of gifts. There's different parts of the body. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through it all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given it as who? As Christ apportioned it. Right? Turn to Romans 12. Okay. And go left on the other side of 1 Corinthians, Romans 12. All right, Romans 12, verse 4. Just as each of us has one body, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, uh, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully right in verse 6 we have different gifts according to the grace given us right and then turn back to 1st Corinthians 12 okay verse 4 1st Corinthians 12 4 there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit there are different kinds of service but the same Lord There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. What is the point of all these verses? There's a bunch of different gifts. And who gives the gifts? God, right? God gives the gifts to his body to be used where? In his body. So if you're a believer, here's the important part, okay? Here's the important part. You're you're, you're baptized into the body of Christ, into the church universal, and every believer is gifted by God to serve in the power of the Holy Spirit in His church. See, that's radically different. And again, the simplicity of that, don't miss that, because a lot of believers, even me, when when I was first saved, I thought, okay, now I'm a Christian, I just attend church. I attend church, and I let all the people up front serve. And so I was a tender and a giver. 
And it wasn't until I started to understand that I was gifted by God to serve in His church that my whole paradigm, my whole view of church radically shifted. I went from spectator to participant. So this morning, are you a spectator? Are you an attender? Are you or are you an active participant in God's big plan? Because the truth according to God's word is you've been gifted. And you've been gifted and you're called, really commanded to use that gift. It's not it's not meant just to okay. You know? I mean, you know, God gave me this sort of gift of speaking. But I'm not just supposed to, like, go in my office and preach to myself. Okay, I got the gift of preaching. Okay, today's sermon is going to, you know, he calls me to go out and speak to you all. (laughs) It's to be used in the bigger picture. In the bigger picture, right? So the question is, are you a spectator? Are you a participant? Are you an attender? Are you in the mix? Amen, right? Yeah. Because the truth is, it's who you already are. It's already been done. When you put your faith in Jesus, whether or not you like it, whether or not you feel like it, whether or not you think it, the Bible just says you were put in the big church, you were gifted to serve in the big church. That's kind of just what the Bible says. It's, it's, it's not a lot of Greek and Hebrew necessary. You know what I mean? It's, it, it just kind of is. So let's, let's look at verse 21 then. Okay. 1 Corinthians 12, 21, we're going to keep, keep going, says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are what? Indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be what? No division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffer, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Here's the key. Mutual dependence. In this local body that God called to be formed three and a half years ago, we need each other. There's mutual dependence here. There, we, th- that's just the truth. And I feel that when he's gone for a week, and he feels it when I'm gone for two weeks, <laughs> right, right? And yet, how many of us, even in the church, well, I'm not up front. Those, those are the hot shots. That's God's A-team. I just usher. I just bring cupcakes once a month. I just... I just, I just. And what are those verses saying? There is no I just in God's body. You are all indispensable to what God wants to do through OBCF in this valley. You're indispensable. It says it right there. You're indispensable. There's no greater than. There's no less than. If you're on this side of the mics, do you know what's greater? Your sphere. That's what's greater on this. It's not like a pride thing and a status thing. We just deal with a lot more fear and insecurity being up here. But there is no, oh, that's the A team. That's the that's the varsity. I'm just on the JV. No, 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 no. 
There's a whole lot of nurses in here, right? A lot of medical people. You all know when that little part of your, some part of your body that you don't even think about goes wrong. You feel that. Something you don't see, something you don't think about. But when something's wrong inside, oh, man, that just knocked me down. I didn't even, right? You guys, God needs everybody. We are mutually dependent on each other in the body of Christ, right? Now, it's very important. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Remember I talked about he gives it for, for use within the body. We're going to look at some verses here that, again, are very challenging to some. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? For the common good. Okay? Keep your finger there. Turn to 1 Peter 4.10. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter 4.10. 1 Peter 4.10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Not only does he throw out a diversity of gifts, he says, hey, I'm doing this so you can use it for the common good, to serve others. You see, and, and, and this is where you know, some pastors, we would use these verses, and then after service, what I would do is have a big bulletin board on the wall outside and say, now you need to serve. And we have all these ministries, coincidentally. Right? But God, you know what God put on my heart? He says, don't have, don't have sign-up sheets. We're not going to have sign-up sheets here. Because when people get this, when we start to understand God's truth, they're just going to serve. They're, they're going to come up and say, what do you need? How can I help? Hey, I think God's given me this gift. I want to use it. And now I know I'm supposed to use it for the common good. I don't need to twist your arm. I don't need me to manipulate you. I don't need to guilt trip you into signing up to do children's or do donuts or do cleanup. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to share that God's word says you've been gifted. You've been put in the body of Christ. You've been gifted. And you've been gifted for the common good. question is, now what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Okay. And then we'll uh, go back to 1 Corinthians 12. We'll finish reading in verse 27. 27 to 30. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. It's sort of just, a rep, again, a repetition that, hey, you know what? In this body, as we sit right here in this church, all of you physically present right now, here's the thing. God needs you to play your part in his body. With the gift or gifts he has given you. What is a gift? It's not just a natural talent. It is something God gives you that is supernaturally enabled through his Holy Spirit to be used in his supernatural work called the church. 
The question is, do you know your gift? And if you know it, then the next question is, how are you using it? What are you doing to actively participate in God's big picture called the church? Right? And we'll close with Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And here's where we're heading. The big picture. What's the goal? What's the objective as we all serve, as we all use our gifts, as we all come together in unity, right? Ephesians 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be what? Built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, Joined and held together by what? Every. By what? Who's every? Who's every? You're in every. You might as well put your name there. You're every. It's not me. It's not the worship team. If you're a believer, if you're redeemed, if you're part of the church, you're part of that word every. Okay? From him, the whole body joined and held together by, you still don't want to say it, do you? Because you just don't want to own that, right? By what? Okay, thank you. Say your name, because Candy said her name. All right, and when I say by, you say your name, because that's you, right? So we're going to read it again. Thank you, Candy, that was awesome. From him, the whole body joined and held together by <laughs> Candy. <laughs> Everybody say candy. <laughs> Lord, I just want to pray for this body right now because we've lost them. All right. I'm never see so you just now I can't see that verse ever again. I'm just going to see candy. You just ruined the verse for me. All right. From him the whole body joined and held together by every Supporting legment grows and builds itself up in love as what? Each part, not candy, each part does its what? Work. You got to work. We each have a part to play in this. We have to work. The church is not some mystical, esoteric thing that you just, oh, the church. Oh. No, there's work to be done. And every part, if you're a part of the church, and if you call OBC, if you're called to be in covenant here and, and, and build relationships with us and, and sort of come under the, 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 the leadership and the authority of this church, we got work to do in this valley, in this body. And we would love, love, love to have you say, hey, reporting for duty because I get to, because I want to, because God said I need to. You've been gifted. For the common good. This body is going to build itself up in love. This body is going to grow. This body is going to fulfill God's plan for the Ojai Valley as every part does its work. 
Turn to the back of your sermon notes. We'll read this before we do communion. A broken key. Even though my typewriter is an old model, it works quite well, except for one of the keys. I have many times wished that it worked perfectly. It is true that there are 41 keys that function well enough, but just one key not working makes the difference. Sometimes it seems to me that our church is something like my typewriter, and not all the key people are working properly. As one of them, you may say to yourself, well, I am only one person. I don't make or break the church. But it does make a big difference because a church, to be effective, needs the active participation of every person. So the next time you think your efforts are not needed very much, remember my typewriter and say to yourself, I am a key person in the congregation and I am needed very much. Let's say that together, shall we? One, two, three. I am a key person in the congregation, and I am needed very much. This is what happens to the whole church. And multiply this by many times. The whole thing just does not make any sense. Beloved, don't be like a broken key. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the incredible privilege we have to be a part of your big picture, your church. You've gifted us. You empower us through your Holy Spirit, and we have the wonderful privilege and joy to serve for the common good. And so, Father, we thank you. We love you. I ask you, Lord, just to speak to our hearts this morning. Remind us of the bigness of your church, and then bring it down to to where we live, and then bring it down to our individual lives, just saying, Lord... I'm a part of your body. I'm a part of the body of Christ. You're the authority. You're the head. You've gifted me. You empower me through your Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, where am I to do my part? And then, Lord, I thank you that as we do our part, you grow us and you transform us. And we get the blessing of seeing you transform other lives as we each do our part. So as we prepare for communion, we're reminded that we're part of the body of Christ because of what Jesus did on that cross. So Lord, we love you and uh, ask you now to uh, prepare our hearts for communion. Amen.